You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG-13. Making Waves. Hey, welcome to Waking... Well, welcome to Waking... I'm going to try Wait, that. Welcome to waking up. This is the, great, the wonderful the part. The wonderful part of editing is that I can do things over again. But here's nice. the thing. I'm not going to do it over again. I'm just going to say welcome to making ways. Wait. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's a great app. This is the ship. Well, waking Maves. Waking, waking, waking Maves. The ship. Ha, 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 hey. Yep. Oh, perfect. Welcome perfect to Smaking Dave's. <laughs> super hey, good burger podcast we are here uh actually it, it's live to the three of us let's be honest this is very live it's happening in time yeah uh, we are episode 85 of the podcast which uh is astounding to me when we started this i didn't even think we get to episode five let alone 85 so it's great uh, to have everybody joining us thank you for tuning in thank you for listening we have a special guest here uh on this on the podcast this week that I'm uh, pretty excited about personally. This is Al McManus, by the way. Our friend Justin Press is high on a mountaintop, having a wonderful uh, blowout on his hair and probably some form of nail cuticle work done, uh, which, as you know, Justin really, he does it. He's good at it. Uh, but we are here. I'm pretty excited about this episode. Chad Nicefield is here with us. Chad, welcome. So tonight's episode I'm pretty excited about here. Um, I've run across our guests on uh, Shiprock Cruise a few times and always thrilled to be able to witness what he does in person. I, I can't wait to get into the songwriting process here and all the things that he's done musically over the years and really dive into uh, the intricacies of what seems to be a pretty complicated and creative life that he's living right now. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sahaj Tikatin from the band Raw. <sighs> And the crowd goes wild. Chad did a yeah. silent. Chad, Chad Chad did a silent round of applause there. <laughs> it was it was audible. So again, if you can't hear me, just let me know. <laughs> I did. I, maybe I'm I'm not hearing hand claps. Oh. So, Hosh, how are you doing tonight, man? Where are you these days? So uh, I lived in LA for ten years, and on February of 2020, right when everything got really horrible, I moved to Fort Wayne, Indiana. Oh, this that, explains a lot yeah, when you were talking Fort about Sweetwater. Yeah. Yeah. Fort Wayne, Indiana, which my, my wife is from there. So it's not completely in a sort of random place to be. So we, we've been coming here visiting for many, many years. And weirdly with the band, there was sort of a vortex. So back in the old days, we would play a couple of venues in the Midwest. One was the machine shop. The other one was this place called Pierre's. And we would play these places. And almost every single time, Pierre's is in Fort Wayne. Every single time I had either two days before that show or two days after that show. So what would end up happening is I just, 
I found myself in Fort Wayne all the time. In fact, the uh, second Raw record, Duality, the photos that we took were behind Pierre's in Fort Wayne because we had that much time off that we just had a photographer come and take the pictures. Um, and then I just found myself keep to keep coming back. And I ended up meeting my my wife there 17 years ago. And uh, we've always sort of made a promise that if we had a kid, we wouldn't raise him in L.A. So we uh, we decided to get out when the getting was good. And luckily, because the week after we left, L.A. closed. So it's been pretty uh, it was pretty fortuitous. Um, Did you meet your wife in Pierre's? Or was it just like while you were in between shows? So uh, the, 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 the five minute version of that story, which I like to elaborate on, but I'll, I'll spare you the, all the craziness. We, the, have an, we have an hour. Okay. Yeah. So then I'm going straight into it. No, <laughs> what ended up happening was uh, the second Raw record, which was Duality. That album in the time period, at the time period, uh, at that time was uh, sort of looked at as a failure because we only sold 100,000 records. <laughs> which was, you know, which today people kill themselves for. But back in those days, it wasn't looked at as a as a success. So I really didn't know what I was doing. I sort of had like a little bit of a crisis going on. And I was in New Jersey and I got a phone call from the radio station in Fort Wayne. And they said, is there any way the you bear? can host the bear in yeah, Fort Wayne? Right. Uh, Cindy Miller, who was an amazing program director back a billion years ago. She asked me if I could sit in on the morning show while they found a new morning person. Somebody had quit. So they needed a fill-in. So I came to Fort Wayne for a week, really just to get away and sort of replenish my brain. And uh, that Wednesday, and we're talking October 2005, that Wednesday, the band Trapped was playing in the venue at Pierre's. And I asked, they asked me if I would intro the band. So I knew Chris from back in the days as, you know, he's crazy. He was always crazy, by the way, but I knew him back in the days. And we, uh, I meant, I went to meet him at FYE. Remember when FYE was a mm -hmm. thing? I went, I went to meet him at FYE and he was doing signings. And there was this guy who was completely out of his mind and really aggressively sort of inserting himself into mine and Chris's conversation because he just wanted both of our attention. And he was super annoying, like really, really like wanted to punch this guy in the face. <laughs> I, have so, a I have a trapped story with the same yeah. guy, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. So we're freaking out. And finally, this guy leaves us alone. I don't think anything of it. So the next thing that happens is I'm, I'm, I'm in the dressing room at Pierre's. I'm getting ready to like sort of go through what I'm going to do on stage. The doors are open, the opening band. It's not quite full. Uh, people are walking in. So as I walk across the, the front of the stage, I do the whole cartoon thing with the eyes and the tongue and the whole like I see this girl and I'm just like, who is that? <laughs> The heart thumping out of the, the chest. Heart <laughs> out of, yeah, yeah, full on, full on mask moment, right? <laughs> and I'm freaking out and I literally just like, I don't know what to do. So I just do the worst possible thing. First of all, I'm older than her, by the way. So she's like young. And if, and I do the worst possible thing, which is turn around and start following her, which is, of course, <laughs> a horrible thing to do. So I, I immediately yeah, sort of readjust my trajectory. And I just walk by or go back upstairs to the dressing room and I walk back down. Now, when I walk out of that door, she's with one of her friends. When I walk out of that door, the guy from the earlier who was a complete terrible person is standing there with her. Yes. And he comes up 
And he comes up to me and he goes, hey, I want you to meet my friends. And I'm like, no, there's no way this guy knows your, this girl. There's no way he, this guy's my future brother-in-law. Exactly. <laughs> so I'm sitting there and I, I sort of like small talk with her and she's, she's, you know, she's significantly out of my league. She's also super young and just sort of like, you know, essentially the Paris Hilton of Fort Wayne. Right. So I'm, I sort of steal her away and I go and, and, and I'm chatting with her. Now I'm wearing a 98, nine, the bear shirt. And I say to her, I said, she's like, well, what do you do? And I'm like, oh, I'm a singer in a band. And here I'm like getting ready. You know, I'm already, it's 2005 band is still doing good, especially in this room. I'm going to drop the bomb. She's going to be like, you're that guy. So I'm like, oh yeah, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm a singer in a band. She goes, oh, what band? I'm like, raw. She's like, mm, I don't know that one. And I'm like, Ugh. so then we're going through the whole thing, and I'm like, well, do you listen to the radio? And she's like, yeah. I was like, well, I have this one song called Fallen Angels, and she's like, oh, I love that song. And then she's like, yeah, but you have a bear shirt on. Like, you're not in the band. Like, you're, you don't sing that, mind you. I don't look the way I sound anyway. So it's, it's definitely a tough sell at this moment. So I immediately call an audible. I grab her by the hand. I walk her to the back of the venue and I sing her the whole song right in the right. Just acapella straight singer. The whole, and hundreds of thousands of dollars later, she was mine. <laughs> yeah. That's the whole story. Now I will, I got to rewind because the best part about that story is the Paris Hilton of Fort Wayne. I mean, yeah, honestly, she's going mean, to merge. Hopefully she's not watching this, which probably she is. not. I'm pretty sure she's watching the Kardashians right now, but <laughs> Uh, yeah, she really did not fit. She was hyper fashionable. She was hyper beautiful. She was just a very not Midwestern girl. She, her style was yeah. incredibly like LA ish. Yeah. You know, I mean, when we moved to LA, she worked at a clothing store called BCBG, which is literally one of the most expensive clothing store chains in, in Los Angeles. And that's who she is. And she's still like stunningly beautiful in the whole nine yards, but like, uh, you know, it, it, it was it was a traumatic event meeting her for me. Like literally everything was thrown out the window. Like nothing else mattered as far as I was concerned. So that's how I ended up moving to Fort Wayne the first time and living there for a year and a half. And then I, I took her to Florida because she wasn't quite ready to go to live full time in Los Angeles. And then two years after that, I convinced her. I was like, okay, we're going to LA now because we had friends and I knew what I was going to do. So 2010, we get in the truck and we drive out. I have three questions. Sure. <laughs> I'll, I'll ask them whenever. Uh, Al, do you have something? Go. Okay. One, was that, that, that fella, did he ever exist in your life again from that, that night board? No, except Bummer. I ended up playing a show at Pierre's last year, right? With the, re, with the re, reconnected Rob guys. And he had put on some weight, so I didn't recognize him, but he literally walked up to me and was like, hey, do you remember me? And I'm like, no. And he starts talking and he's like, I'm the reason you met your wife. And I'm like, oh my God, the best part of that, which of course, you know, the recognition, whatever, that's cute. <laughs> the best part of it is he was still a terrible person. He managed, <laughs> within, he managed within five minutes to completely reaffirm why I hated him back 17 years ago, <laughs> just absolutely horrible energy and didn't know what to say. Couldn't be proper. Like, you know, was still trying to hit on my wife 17 years later. It's just very, 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 very terrible. Interesting. My second <laughs> yeah. follow-up to that question is, when, so I should, I should say before I get to the third, 
the door that you came out of, is it by the bathrooms, the steps that you would go down? Is that the one you're referring yeah, to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Doors were there? Okay. Yeah, they so locked you- that now, by the way. That door's Good. never opened anymore. But that door used to be able to go in and out if you were the artist. Mm-hmm. And it was always sort of like a cool way to make your entrance because it was just mm-hmm. like this big sort of like you would walk through the, the hallway into the main room, you know? Mm-hmm. So when you so the so the, now I'm picturing this singing this now because I played that room so many times over the years I, I'm picturing where you might go to sing her the 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 song did you go take her upstairs or out the back door no so do you know do you remember that in the middle of the room there's a horizontal bar mm-hmm, mm-hmm. behind the that is a semi VIP area with tables okay so, so might- I took her the back there sat her down sang the song to her and uh. You know, and really was just holding my breath that she didn't ask me how old I was at the time. <laughs> so, okay, so then 3.5. How many times has this ever happened in your life that you sang acapella to, a, to any, any human, human ever be, leading up to that? <laughs> Man, I wish I could say that I'd done it as a tactic. Honestly, it, 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 was, it literally was the one time. Chad, you weren't honestly, even, he, Chad wasn't even going with a, with a tactic. He was just, in general, like a human person. With, no, with no, no, tactic. no. You know what's sad about that is I, I was married before my current wife, and I had a long-term girlfriend before that, and I had never sang to either one right, of them. Right, so oh, she was special. It was a, it was every, and what's sad about it also is like it just never crossed my mind. You know, <laughs> I never thought to myself, yeah, I should sing them a song or something. Mm. And, and when I met Kira, by the way, I don't know if you guys know this, I have a solo album that I did in 2012, right? And the, my solo album is sort of like Stingish, John Mayer-ish. It's very like pretty love songs. And I wrote it a hundred percent. I mean, I made the album a hundred percent because without any sort of filter and control, I wrote my wife seven love songs. Right. <laughs> right. Like so. This was why I was sure that she was the one I needed to go broke with. And this right. is, you know, this is exactly what yeah. I did. Isn't this great, honey? We get to go broke together. I mean, grow yeah. old, grow old together. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, she wasn't worried about me going broke. She was just, you know. I just remember the one of my favorite stories. She's, oh my god, I hope she never watches this. One of my favorite stories is when we're first starting to date. I'm on tour with Il Nino and another band, and it's like some crazy tour. And I'm in Worcester, Mass, in front of the Palladium. And I'm about to play the show and she calls me and we've been dating a couple of months, like really on the phone all the time, but like really just sort of like just getting serious, not really too serious. And I called her and again, remember my Paris Hilton comment. So I'm talking to her on the phone. She had like a 2006, a 2002 Dodge Sebring or something like that. That's what she was driving. So we get on a phone and I say, oh, I'm like, hi, babe, what's going on? She's like, I want a car. And I was like, okay. So immediately I eat to myself. I think I can get her like a, a Saturn, you know, like that would yeah, be, hell be yeah. that, at this level of the relationship, that's Classy. an appropriate, still yeah, a brand cl- new car. Classic. And she goes, I want a BMW. And I think to myself for all of 15 seconds and I'm like, well, let's just talk about it when I get back. And of course that Christmas, she got her first C300 Mercedes. Which, <laughs> oh, so she, which, so she even went bigger. Well, she first C300 Mercedes, which seven of them later, and only Ooh. as recently as March, was the last one. Wow. And, I'm, wow. and I'm, I'm, looking, I'm looking at the video here of you in your studio, and I'm counting five, six guitars I can see. If it weren't for all those cars, think of the guitars you could have. Yeah. 
first of all, all of that, every, every penny I spent on her pales to the nonsense of living in Los Angeles for 10 oh, years. Sure. And paying the, the ridiculous amount of rent I was paying to have a house in LA, on top of which, once we had Mason, I always tell people this. And I just, I mean, I guess for some people, it's not a big deal. But I just remember I was paying $1,200 a month for Mason to go to preschool three days a week yeah. for four hours a day. So a total of 12 hours a day, uh, 12 hours a week for $1,200 a month. And that was the bargain price that yeah. everyone that was, like, was oh, Saturn, the that was a Saturn yeah. of education. Yeah, that was the place <laughs> where like that was the place where like the help put their kids. Yeah, the help. Uh, That's crazy. So, That's, so I, I never even thought about. So, that why did you? What prompted you? Let's skip back a little bit. What prompted you to get in the van to make the move initially? You mean you to, said uh, you, from, yeah, to to from LA, LA here? You, no, from from you started in Fort Wayne. Well, not started, yeah. but you moved. You said in two thousand five, you got in the van and or the truck mm -hmm. and drove. What was the what prompted you to go that way? You said you had a you had an idea of what you wanted to do there. What did you want to do there, and what prompted that move? So the so the 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 early stages of sort of making transition from being a full time artist to also being a producer and a writer was sort of and I don't I can say this now because I can look back clearly, but at the time I didn't really process it properly but really what i had to do was convince everyone that i wasn't just the raw guy right mm -hmm. so in my brain i kept on saying i can't do that unless i'm in los angeles i need to be where there's all these producers and all the action and all the stuff in order for me to be able to be taken seriously as a producer and to a certain extent i was 100 percent correct right mm -hmm. but one of the things that i love telling and i talk to people you know when people are talking about the music industry in, in general um, one of the things that was really sort of crazy and, and somewhat refreshing was when I moved to LA, I assumed there were 10,000 guys trying to do what I was doing. Like I just assumed I had just immediately became the smallest or the medium smallest fish in this massive pond. And by a year and a half to two years later, I realized that it was really the same 15 to 20 guys making all the records. It really wasn't that many people. So all you had to do was get in with those guys and mm -hmm. you'd end up part of the cycle. So, yeah. so a lot of times what happens is labels will have a band and they'll send them to LA and they sort of do the writing circle where they'll go to this guy for a couple of days and this guy for a couple of days. And it just took me a little while to be able to um, sort of be taken seriously that way. Um, 2013 and 14 were really the years that I started working on stuff directly for labels, for other bands, Stitched Up Heart, Mixie was one of them. Um, a lot of other things were starting to percolate. That was the beginning of my professional relationship with Dustin. I had, I had known Dustin from Starset from 2010, but um, we started really working a lot in 2014. And um, that was, you know, sort of all of those things started to collect and become the basis of my credibility. And then, you know, with Ra, I, I was sort of putting it up on the shelf and letting it get moldy in the process. So in that whole interim between 2012 and 2020, I really didn't do much. There really wasn't anything happening on the raw front other than me focusing on producing. And I ended up, go ahead. Yeah, it's funny because Chad and I talked, uh, kind of doing a little a little conversation about what, you know, about you and, and kind of preparing for the episode. And there's just these weird lulls, not lulls, just gaps. 
So that's well, it, one I, full length in 13, 2013, and the next one comes 2021. But there's singles and EPs yeah. that we're talking about. So, so not, I wonder not, what the interesting. Yeah, not gaps. But then we we realize it's like, okay, there's a whole bunch of other stuff going on that he clearly has going on, whether it's producing, writing, you know, all the other all the other stuff. So do, so so give us kind of a snapshot. Yeah. yeah. Give us a snapshot. Okay, so we know why what was happening. And I think you're absolutely right. I think that's the exact that's in order to make you give yourself credibility be where they are probably we can maybe get into this in a minute but it seems like the technology with your relationships technology has allowed you to kind of maybe do it from anywhere but we, we can you know maybe that had a part a part up in play of you going you know what? i don't necessarily have to be here physically in location i got my relationships that i built um but uh complete um uh yeah so if you could los angeles just kind of give us the nutshell of those 10 years it was 10 years right yeah, 2020, uh, 2010 to 2020. So, I mean, first thing we do is we get there and I immediately try to find like a producer manager, like someone who actually does producer managing, because that's a facet of the music industry that I had literally no experience or knowledge of. But I thought for some reason it was really important. Um, it didn't take more than six months or four months, really, of having a producer manager to realize that that wasn't what was going to get me in the door. I had to write hit songs or hit-ish songs and deliver them to people who mattered. And um, slowly but surely, it just became sort of like, in the beginning, it was people who respected Ra. Like, so if they liked the band and they're like, oh, you're in LA, we love Ra, we'll come to you. But then I would sort of show a, a wide variety of skill sets and they'd be like, oh, snap, that's pretty cool. Um, another person who was really important to the beginning process was a producer named Bob Marlette. So Bob Marlette is a guy that going back to uh, Saliva and Click Click Boom and then Shinedown's first record. And then everything from Sabbath to Red Sun Rising to Filter to, I mean, there's just a tray. There's just a ton of bands that Bob Marlette has been involved with, right? So Bob and I did uh, parts of Duality together. We actually did a couple, three songs, three or four songs on Duality. And I met him that way. And he was always like, hey, if you come out here, we can do stuff together. So he was one of the people I was sort of like using to get into the circle. And it definitely worked. And Bob is one of the nicest, sweetest dudes on the planet. And he just, he went way out of his way to include me. Um, I think pretty early on, I realized that the principal thing that I had to offer was melody based and vocal based and things like that. But you know, I also produce, I make things sound good, I can mix, I can do all the stuff. But really, singing and passion and emotion was what I was really focused on. So as I was um, sort of coming up, it started to, people started to see that. Um, when I did Starset, so the first album that I have songs on uh, with Starset is an album uh, called Vessels, which was their second big release. And I have four songs on that record. And one of the songs on that record is a song called Die For You. And that song is a, is one of my is maybe my favorite song I've ever written for another artist. Um, but once I did that and it came to life and it became successful, not only did the world see me in that way, but I was actually able to see myself that way. And I was mm -hmm. like, oh, I can deliver on a pretty high level. And almost immediately after doing the second album, which was Divisions um, and working on Manifest, which was their single. 
I uh, I started working with Nikki Six and 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 doing the dirt stuff with which I did. I wrote those songs. I actually sing on all those new Motley Crue songs. So um, once I got involved with Motley, then it became like this whole thing where I'm doing stuff for Alan Kovac and then Bad Wolves and then Hyro and then. Now I'm in the studio with Jason Hook all the time. I mean, it just sort of evolved yeah. into a thing. There's a lot six, of six projects. Mercedes later. I get it. I get it. Well, I, I wish. I wish I they were mine. <laughs> I had the Volkswagen. <laughs> <laughs> this is like this could be a very soothing session. I feel like let's yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Unbutton yeah. the top I'm guy. I'm <laughs> letting it all out. I'm letting no hair down. This is the world that, like, you're what you're what you're speaking is is the is the world that I live in. In uh, uh, so it's I'm extremely thankful to have the conversation, to listen to you talk about your nuts and bolts and how you basically built your home. Um, I have a bunch of questions uh, and bunch of things I wanted to kind of. You mentioned that I wanted to kind of like dive in a little deeper on, but before I do any of that, Al, did did you have uh, anything that you wanted to bring up? No. I, I, I wasn't sure if you guys in your in your research at all knew about my family history. Did you guys catch anything of that? Well, mm-hmm. Chad, Chad doesn't have a family, so he, he he's not based, interested. I he's not interested. On, in, I assume based on the shirt that he didn't have a family. No, but you can yeah. he, uh, No, but go it's on, a but, hard um, pass when I show up to, <laughs> to a family function. They're like, not today. Not today. Not a stranger. Um, but yeah, I just want to, some of your I, audience knows, but I, I, would, I, 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 yeah, I'd love to hear it. Chad and I talked about it a little bit, but didn't get a good, a good grasp on it. So yeah, your we're all sister, here. I think. So, are, right? my si- so did you, did you guys see the original total recall? Mm-hmm. Yes. So yeah. in the film, there's two girls, there's Sharon Stone who plays his fake wife on, on, on earth. And then he has a girlfriend on Mars who runs around with him. Okay. So the girlfriend on Mars is my sister, Rachel. Yes. Now, fun fact, not that fun. When I did what Chad recommended, which is go on the internet to figure out how to pronounce your last name. So I don't sound like a complete schmuck. Rachel's Rachel's name came up as an actress and I was like, okay, I'm like, maybe so there's my story. So, okay, Rachel. So Rachel, um, and my whole family, my brother David ended up being in a, uh, a director and a producer. And, and so we've all have, we all have sort of like a history with filmmaking in some degree. Um, and she's, uh, she's, she's got a, a quite a, a beautiful, I love her resume because it's movies like Falling Down, um, mm. uh, yeah, Con Inner, Man on Fire. Like she's got really, really cool films on her list. Some, some stinkers, but like some really, really good ones that I really like. Um, but yeah, I, so I had this part of my life where I was very, very enticed by the idea of, of doing films and being an actor. And I actually worked on a bunch of films, one of which was a Stallone movie that I was an assistant stunt coordinator, although I'm not an actual stunt coordinator. But I ended up doing that job for a film for my brother. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, it's, it's a fun thing because, and I think it's relevant to the producer part of it, because my experience with the film industry really was so absolutely different than the music industry because the music industry is not organized at all but the but the film industry is hyper organized like there's so much money in the making of a movie that you just so when i transitioned from working on films when i was a teenager to working in music i just assumed that it was super organized and really really to get and it really was just sort of like the whims of random people was like that's how the music industry works but um anyway i digress sorry i didn't i wanted to make sure i got that in somehow yeah no that's fantastic and it's a perfect time for that segue as we are currently live on facebook listen guys don't be nervous okay i mean we it's okay there are friends 
There are people who care about us a great deal who are watching our every, every single move. So now is the time to exaggerate your movements when you talk. Uh, hey, everybody. <laughs> Welcome to uh, Making Waves, the Shiprock podcast. We are on episode 85 here with uh, Sahaj Tikatin from Ra, as we know him in the Shiprock family. Uh, definitely want to check out the first half of our conversation, which will drop on Monday. We delve into some his history a little bit. We get into what I like to call uh, the Paris Hilton of Fort Wayne. It's a whole other story. Uh, so you're definitely you're definitely going to want to tune in for the for the audio portion of the podcast on Monday when we drop. So uh, welcome everyone. Say hello. Send us a question or two in the comments if you'd like to do that. Uh, but in the meantime, I just feel like Chad has so many questions. He's bursting at the seams. So Chad, I, I don't want to I don't want to steal your thunder, buddy. Well, well, first of all, I want to start with, uh, because now that we're live, I want to make sure that I say it when people hear us. Uh, apparently, and this is news to me, uh, but you hold the record, or used to hold the record up until very recently, uh, for holding the longest single note by, by a male vocalist in, uh, in one of your songs. Am I correct? So... What that is, is apparently there's a, there's a, it's not Guinness, right? There's some other entity out there that does like entertainment based, strictly like world recordy type things. I don't remember exactly what it was because it was a really long time ago, but at the end of a song called Scorn on our live album. So this was a live performance and it was the last song we did. I held uh, like a, a high B or something like that for 24 or 26 seconds. Just natural. Apparently, then this little, I just found it right now. Okay, so there it is. So 24 seconds. So literally, I'm living in Florida. This is the time when I'm living in Florida. I get a random phone call and they tell me about this. And I'm like, is this a, like, I really thought it was like some sort of spam call that they were going to try and sell me. The, oh, we're going to put you in this book. You have to buy the book. That's what I thought. And I'm like, okay, whatever. And they said to me, and they sort of convinced me. And then they said, uh, in order for this to be for real, you you need to hold it. You need to sing it on the phone right now for 22 seconds. That was official. Because yeah. they're like, otherwise it could have been digitally done or it could have been done some sort of fake way in a studio. And I'm like, well, first of all, it's a live performance, but fine. If you need me to do it, I will do it. And I literally held it for 26 seconds just to show off. Just the last and four. <laughs> yeah, I added that. That's, that's why I said 26 originally. And I held it out and, and they were like, oh, they were all laughing on the phone. But they're like, all right, man, it's great. Blah, 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 blah. Didn't hear anything about it for like two years. And Until Chad sudden, just brought it up just now. Somebody, yeah, basically. Somebody somebody sends me this thing on the internet saying that you have the longest note. And by the way, the actual record is the longest single note held yes. in a commercially released album. Yes. So that's the, the caveat is it had to be a commercially released album. And back in like 2006 or seven or whatever it was, um, commercially released albums were, you know, not every day, 20 million times on Spotify. So at least, you know, at this point, but then some metal guy, like later on held it for 40 seconds or something ridiculous. And, and again, I didn't do it to do it. It was something that was inadvertent, but it held for a few years. And then it became part of my wiki page, which, you know, for whatever reason, people seem to like. Well, if you do and, and you did it as part of the song, it wasn't like you set out to it to, to say, I'm going to try to sing this long note. It's like, no, it, you felt like it fit the part of the song and you were serving the song. And there you go. It's, it's Yeah. I mean, I, just to be perfectly fair, I would own, I did it every night on this tour and I would almost pass out every night. 
Yeah. Because I would get sort of like a massive headache and my eyes would glaze and I would lose my balance. And that's the time to stop the note. <laughs> that yeah. was when I knew to stop singing was, oh, I'm yeah. about to pass out. Let's start doing something else. L- ladies and gentlemen, uh, the viewing audience and the listening audience, this is what people do for you, for your entertainment. Yeah. 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 We yeah. did. I- I have like my mind is I can't stop thinking about the phone call and like how like just <laughs> nice you are to pick up the phone and be like what and yeah. they're like yeah but we need you to do a live and you're like well, I He's guess like, and then you just yeah hold on one second hold on one second okay you guys ready <laughs> I mean like, the conversation went roughly seven to ten minutes so I did ask some sort of like questions to make sure it wasn't just like a joke. Or somebody yeah, wasn't trying to prank me. Yeah, or some boys. other guy in a band that's calling me trying to prank me. Yeah. And it, it yeah. felt legit. So I did it. And also I just thought to myself, well, even if it is a prank, fuck them. I'm gonna do it because it's yeah. badass to do. So I did yeah, it. Yeah. Totally. Totally. <laughs> that that's like my only hope is 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 that your mind was like, I don't give a fuck what's happening right now. I'm gonna do yeah, it. I'm just, I, I need to practice know, I anyways. Think, Exactly. (laughs) So I wanted to ask then following that up, um, you have a bunch of interesting rights, co-writes, production credits. Uh, This, this, you said really took off with the star set stuff, but I'm looking at all of the releases. So mind you, I'm kind of like going through your discography and it seems like you had some pretty solid bangers before the star set stuff or, or was it star set? Really? Yeah. I mean, I think that again, um, there were songs that were doing okay. You know what I mean? Like the, I, I'm talking about, let me point out the thing with the star set for me, because to me, the thing with star set was it's not sort of like there's it's, Yes, there are elements of it that are sort of just commercial. They got big choruses, all that stuff. But it's like a concept band. They're space guys. They're wearing spacesuits. It's like a whole thing. There's a lot of techno and electronics in it. And the whole approach to it, it's very satisfying for me to sort of see the something succeed that wasn't every other band. You know, I mean, I recently, I'm, I, you know, I have a single on the radio right now that I co-wrote with Nothing More. And, and Tired of Winning. And those guys are going to be on the boat. And I'm trying to talk Johnny into letting me sing that song with him too. Since I'm there, I'm like, I'm not, you know, I'll be like, Hey man, I'll be there. Yeah. You you need a little help on that one song. I'll jump up there. I mean, I just, Um, I wrote it. I wrote it and everything. So maybe that. Yeah. I mean, I did write the chorus pretty much in a vacuum. Just saying. Um, (laughs) That song is amazing, but I I didn't know it was that song that you just referenced. I've listened to it literally every day on my bike ride. I just love, I love, love the fucking song and then they came up with this recently my like discover or whatever release radar i think it is on spotify there was like a a new re-release with like an extended version or something like that yeah so that actually is the full version and that has the ships in the night uh addendum to it so the ships in the night thing was (laughs) when i heard it i was like hey guys uh let's let's take that off for the single (laughs) you know but uh they they you know i remember being okay this is sort of a cool story I was at Lejean's farmhouse, Lejean yeah. Witherspoon's farmhouse, yeah. in staying in his place when they sent me the original demo for Tired of Winning. Mm. And Johnny, who I had met not that many months before in, Los, in, uh, in uh, New Orleans, I had been in a car and he said, I have this song, it's called Tired of Winning. And I immediately loved the title. 
I was like, this is a really cool title. I just immediately, like, I thought there was like a little bit of political edge to it. And it was like a little relevance to it and the whole thing. And I was like, what? I was, I was a little mad that I hadn't thought of it. And I was like, I was like, man, that's just a great, cause I get real fussy about trying to come up with a lyric for a hook line in a song that hasn't been buried to death. You know, Yeah, you can tell Um, by the way, you can tell. That was my a, major major story. compliment to, about that. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to divert from your story, but that's the thing I think that sets you apart when I listen to, at least when I listen to raw music, is the you you pay a lot of attention to the lyric. And coming from the co- country music background, like me, my all my management and and label experiences in country music, and that's the only thing that matters, right? It's the same four, it's the same, you know, the same five chords. Uh, so, so there, there you go. And actually, Alan and Alan Koenig and I were talking about that today because uh, he he was like, "Oh yeah, he's on the he's on the show tonight." Man, he's like, "So great, man!" The lyrics is just like the refined lyric is so refreshing. So yes, it's definitely your wheelhouse, and you can tell that you're that's a focus for you. So, so what was cool was so I live in Fort Wayne, and like I said, um, COVID hit right at the beginning of when I moved here. So for the most part, no one was doing sessions in LA because everybody was on lockdown. But here, which is, you know, the reddest state in the country, literally, technically is the reddest state in the country. Um, And not that that even is relevant to what I'm about to say, but it was very, very relaxed on restrictions, incredibly relaxed on restrictions. Mostly, I would say that the real reason it was relaxed on restrictions was because the population here was 280,000 and it wasn't 22 million like it is in Los Angeles. But more, more to make this, to tie in why I'm saying this is, when it became time for me to work on this Nothing More record and what I was doing with them, you know, they're sort of like a self-contained machine, but um, they asked me if I would be able to uh, produce the vocals for like seven or eight songs. Because I think what was happening was Johnny was really focused on the writing process and really focused on stuff. And he was sort of self-producing the vocals. And I just think he was getting bogged down with way too many decisions and he needed to shove some decisions to someone else so that he could just focus on singing and writing. So we went to this whole process and those guys are incredible. I mean, the the nothing more dudes are, they write in a way that I would never write. I'm a complete control freak. I have no interest in anybody else's opinion unless I'm working with them. But essentially if I'm doing raw stuff, it's me, I'm in a vacuum sort of creating in my own. And those guys are incredibly uh, democratic. Uh, If we changed the lyric, we had to get everyone on the phone and, and talk about it and the whole thing. And I just, I, you know, I wanted to kill myself, but I thought it was interesting. And I thought it was really, really crazy that we would we would constantly make sure everyone had their say, which was pretty amazing. Um, when it came to Tired of Winning, at, at a point, there was a discussion about the lead vocal uh, melody, not the melody, the, uh, the lead, the, the title. They wanted to, they were, there's a discussion about whether the title was going to change. And uh, I was vehement. I like, I literally was like, the only reason I'm even here is because he said the words Tired of Winning mm-hmm. <laughs> in the car that day. And I fought hard for it. And then they all sort of agreed and it was awesome. And that's where the song is. But, um, but yeah, there's, there's, there's a sort of beauty to uh, what the nothing more guys do, but yet again, in the star set way, sort of like outside the norm, they're not necessarily straight down the middle rock songs. And there's, you know, a, a component of electronics and a component of like taking the organic and mixing it with machinery. And he has the scorpion on stage. Like I've, I'm drawn to sort of adventurous stuff, which of course, you know, doesn't explain my Motley Crue things. But you know, when you get to work with Motley Crue, you, you say yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I sure. had no idea what with Dirt 
that's this just finding this out right now it, to, to know that not only were you sitting in that chair but also uh we can we can listen to your voice and, and you know and, and film uh I, i'm assuming all the songs that you're like uh how many songs did you sing in the record in the record slash film every one of them no 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 so the film in the movie they recreated all the old songs Yes. Okay. So they, they had to re-record them, I think, for master issues. So they re-recorded sure. the old songs. And I believe Howard Benson and Mike Plotnikoff did those things. They found a singer and did that. Then for the album, for the dirt. So, oh. so remember, there's an album and it has a machine on it. So it has the dirt featuring MGK. There's a song called uh, Crash and Burn, Ride Like the Devil. And then we did the Like a Virgin cover, which was mm. crazy. Um if you listen to those now that you guys know, I'm singing on all of them. And I wrote awesome. all the melodies and uh, co-wrote the lyrics with Nikki. Um, awesome. John Five was pretty instrumental in drive and um, driving the, uh, the music in terms of writing the music parts. He was instrumental. Uh, I get it. <laughs> I got you. Yeah, now, I'm not smart. I'm not smart. I don't understand half of what you're saying. But I got that. No, I got that. You got that part. Yeah. Yeah. No, so, but it was a yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, no, uh, I was just, I was about to change gears a little bit and okay. talk. Uh, we got about 15 minutes here. Um, you, you have, you have candles oh, wow. burning back there. I, I always like to, I, I like to, is, if you're comfortable with it, Sahaj, would you give us a little tour or you, uh, or you have dead bodies there or anything? You good? I mean, the studio is not spectacular. And, yeah, but uh, it's, it's better than everybody else's that Chad and I know. It might be, it might be raining pretty bad. So anyway, let me turn the light up a little bit. Oh no! This is a vibe, man. Look at this place. Oh, so, shit, it's yeah. <laughs> so I'm the guys are always like, "Oh, it's not much. It's uh, well, I got an amp and a microphone, and uh. <laughs> yeah, I'm one of the last holdouts. So I have a bunch of actual guitar amps. Good for I don't you. use a lot of. I don't use a lot of plugins. Um, this is the corner of shame, or where people sing. So I yes. shame people in that corner. In the corner, baby. I, my microphone isn't on there because I used it today with Corey Glover and yesterday with Corey Glover. So we yeah. were at Sweetwater recording with Corey the last couple of days. Here are some guitars. I've been endorsed with ESP since 1999. Um, wow. But this guitar right here, <clears throat> this guy right there, yeah. that is a James Trussart Explorer. And it was a gift from one Nikki Six. And I'll, no I'll give you the one minute version of, or the two minute version of that story. Every, when, when Nikki first came to the studio, and this is in LA, he comes in and he starts rattling off all of these song parts. He's like, you know the bridge and Saints of Los Angeles and all this stuff. And I literally had to stop him and say, hey, man, I know girls, 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 Dr. Feelgood, Home Sweet Home, and Shout at the Devil. That's yeah. it. That's my entire Motley Crue repertoire in my brain. And in a weird way, it sort of like um, made it cool because I wasn't really up his butt. But I did say to him, I said, look, when I grew up, the kids that listened to Metallica and Megadeth and Slayer didn't really hang out with the guys listening to Motley Crue, Poison, Truth. and Guns N' Roses. True. And I was just sort of explaining that to him. And I went a little bit, I, I went a little too long on my love for James Hetfield. So I kept on talking about Hetfield, how I learned how to downpick with Hetfield and that Metallica was my thing and everything about Metallica. So there we had a couple of weeks off and he goes, I get a text message from him saying, hey, I got you a present. And I was like, oh, he says, it's James Hetfield related. And I'm like, really? I said, well, if it's not James Hetfield himself, I'm not interested. He said, no, 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 no. You'll like it. You'll like it. So he comes back with this guitar which is really just stunning. It's handmade by a guy named James Chussart in California. He makes guitars for like Keith Richards and Billy Gibbons and all this other stuff. It's a very expensive guitar. 
And he walks in and he says, I just need to tell you, you know, when he made that guitar, he made 10 of them and he got an immediate cease and desist letter from Gibson saying, you're not allowed to make anything, call it an explorer, use our shape, you can't do anything. So there's only 10 of those in the entire world. I have one, James Hetfield has two. So if you ever go online and look up James Hetfield Trussart, it's those guitars. He's wow. playing them on stage. He plays them all the time. So that you was know, like a pretty cool thing. Where did the other seven go? I have no idea. And I didn't ask, but I have <laughs> hey a really, man, I got one. I got mine. You, yeah, but I have yeah. a really cool picture of him holding, of Nikki holding it and James Trussart signing it and the whole thing. And that's it's pretty awesome. cool. So cool. Yeah. So you have, uh, you have, you use amps yeah, for I'm recording. Pretty. You have, do you have yeah, an yeah, ISO, so then, you have an ISO booth somewhere for the, no, 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 that, that corner. So I've learned, first of all, the room is, is tuned. You see these little panels, yes. like tuned. Panel. Yeah. So the room is tuned. I don't like dead rooms for vocals, but this corner just has like the cheapo foam, yeah. but it goes all the way to the ceiling and it's carpet on the floor. So it's really dead in that corner. It's almost like those little half shell things that people sometimes use. Yeah. Um, but I'll show you the stuff, the, the most important piece of gear I own, which is uh, a 1996 Saturn. No, no, okay. you're close though. This is the most I, important piece of gear I own. Can you tell what that is? Yeah, that's a it racing is. sim for, for Forza. Are you a Forza that's guy? My, my PlayStation 5 and my racing wheel. That's that gets more use than anything else. And I <laughs> and I'm I'm and I'm more intimate and, and friendly to it than anything that in, in the entire any, house. any other human. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's pretty it's pretty much where I live. What what's we, the game? What's your game of choice? So my I have my other room here. So this is the room that like Dustin is going on. And, Okay. This is the room that Dustin and uh, Johnny stayed in. In fact, Johnny made this scratch on the wall, which I'm still going to bill him for. Yeah, this is unacceptable. Uh, but I have my PlayStation 4 here and a screen, and my son, who's seven, goes on the other P on the PS5, and we rock out to Fortnite. A lot of Fortnite. Oh, There's a lot yeah. of Fortnite going on with me and my son. Yes. He, he's very mediocre at it, but it's hilarious <laughs> listening to him scream and yell as we play. <laughs> <laughs> and it's one of my great joys in life. I love it. Yeah. yeah. Any, any time with your seven-year-old son is, is quality time, right? That's For awesome. sure. That's awesome. Uh, it's so cool down there. I mean, I assume this is down or is it up? Are we, are this we down is the basement. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah, yeah, we're in the basement here. And uh, it's, I think it's, is it raining? I don't no, know. It's raining, but but quick, it was terrible. Quick question. Uh, where do you, where do you keep the gimp? <laughs> uh, I mean, there I mean, is this I mean, storage. It's not a trick question. I didn't, I didn't mean to stump you. And I have threatened to put children in here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a good spot. This, this corner. Actually, the 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 um the Marshall cabinet and yes. the Mesa cabinet are in there. I was going to say. And Wired and Mike. I was wondering where they were. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Is that ISO? Is that just like ISO uh, like space? No, I use the I use the torpedo, the the amp um mm. the amp loader thing. So this yeah. thing here, this guy. Yeah, it, it makes it so you can run the amps hot, but they're not loud. Yeah, like an ox box, right? Yeah, basically same thing. Well, but but are you miking the cab? But you're miking the cabs. Yeah, I got them both mic. I have a ton of mic pre's. I actually have uh, space for drums in here, so I actually cut drums in here sometimes. Gotcha. Um, 
I was going to ask, wow. uh, yeah, the, the, let's see. Oh, no. When you opened the gimp door there where the cabinets were, I thought maybe homeboy homeboy from Pierre's was going to be in there, like his bones. Yeah. Where you brought him home one day and just, just gave him the business, just let him leave him there to rot. You know what I mean? My nightmare, my nightmare is that I'm going to run into him when I don't have the cushion of other people to just be like, hey, man, I, yes, I suck to jazz, suck to these people. Like, I'm going to run into him and he's going to absolutely take up way more time than I want him to. A day, a whole 24 hours. Yeah. <laughs> and i weirdly do sort of owe a certain degree of happiness to this guy so yeah that's I mean, true a certain degree yeah but yeah. i feel, right? but I feel like with those things yeah, i feel like with those things there is this there is a shelf life right? oh yeah, well you know it's it's marriage it's 17 years i'm amazed that after 17 years she still makes me laugh and 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 we have as much fun as we do to be honest right I'm not an easy guy to live with. I'm like, you know, super moody, artsy, fartsy, miserable. I hate aging. I hate all the things that, uh, and after a while you do, you know, 700 songs later, you hate music, you hate everything, mm -hmm. but it's, mm -hmm. it's still awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's awesome to hate. I know that we like have. It, it, <laughs> <laughs> now that we well here's the thing you got to have a little hate in your heart to write a lot of times write the kind of music that you're right you got to have a little bit of anger and angst in there somewhere knocking at you otherwise where does it come from it's not authentic unless there's a little bit of it in there i it's think onion. to be perfectly honest i think you know at a certain point one of the things that i really sort of became comfortable with is tapping into things that i've sort of put away you know what I mean? Like, you know, I'm not a kid anymore. I don't really have the anger and the frustration that I had when I was 25, but I remember it and I can right. certainly tap into it when I need to. I mean, it's a weird life being a person that writes 12 to 15 songs a month. And when I say 12 to 15 songs, I'm not talking like some guy that does like sync fit things for film and television. Like these are like fully realized songs that other people are relying on in order to survive. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of pressure. Um, and that becomes sort of like a blur, you know, and, and it took a very long time to sort of be un understand how to process the writing process and the music process and know that, you know, sometimes giving your all doesn't necessarily serve the song because sometimes you have to give what the song wants. And sometimes mm -hmm. your is not, <laughs> it's not it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Man, I feel like we could. I, I could literally spend another hour chatting with you about this stuff. It's been great. Sure, Thank man. you for doing it. Thank you for yeah, being my here pleasure. with us. Um, I do want to talk a little shop here as it pertains okay. to Shiprock. Oh man, so, I have lots of funny Shiprock things too. I well, love that. Place. Well, I want to. I want to fast forward to our future. Is, can you fast forward to the future? I don't even know. Yeah, just wait uh, for it. Can you? Uh, yeah, they made movies I mean, about it. Whatever. I mean, it was, it was probably a total, yeah, it was probably a total recall joke in there somewhere, and I could try to put that together. But I, yeah. Um, so you're going to be joining us uh, as a stowaway this year, which super yeah. psyched about. Um, there's also uh, a gentleman named Keith Wallen who's going to be joining us. Is, is that mm -hmm. is that correct? If I am I am I anyone? Yes. Yeah. Um, there's been some conversations, uh, you and I have had about a very, very special and highly unique show that may be happening on the ship. Uh, before I give that away, is that something that we could talk about? Yeah, absolutely. hundred okay. percent. So I, th from what I understand, we're going to, we're going to be experiencing a U2 slash police acoustic treatment, if you will. Is that correct? So, 
Yes, and so and just and to serve the audience properly, I will say I'll probably do sort of the top three or four raw songs so that no one is feels cheap completely alienated to start with. Yes, and then <laughs> when I and then just some other so so here's so I'm doing this the stowaway thing, and I'm also doing the acoustic thing. Mm-hmm. I think right. Yes, Those are that's, two that's, that's what I have in my I'm copious hoping. note. That's what I have in my copious notes. Yeah, so the acoustic thing is going to be sort of raw-centric, and then also I'm going to actually, I came to this realization a couple of weeks ago, how cool would it be if I covered some of my more successful songs that I co-wrote? Love it. So I came up with ideas on how to do like, you know, even the Bad Wolves song that I did, which is sort of a heavy track, but just cool ways of bringing some of the songs I did. And then I was also going to put in some of my favorite songs of all time. Now, my stowaway set, which I'm hoping we can do what we did last time, which was sort of take, take control of it outside of what we're supposed to do. But Keith, who you mentioned, actually features on a raw cover of Incomplete, who happens to have Jason Hook playing guitar on. So we're looking at how do we formulate, how do we formulate a set where it's me, Jason, and Keith, we cover whatever, however many songs you want us to do, if it's four, whatever, and we put it together. I have two police songs that I want to do. We want to do the incomplete song. And then there's another song that we're sort of putting together with Keith in mind. But there's some u 2 possibly. I don't want to give all of it away. I don't want to no, say No, 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 no. We got to we got to reserve some. And by the way, Shiprocked family, this is what's called as, this is what's known as workshopping. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're workshopping for sure. Absolutely, getting, that's nice thinking. though. They're getting, everybody's getting a little back, a little backstage view of how the conversations are going to go and how this thing is going to morph into something awesome for them. So that's amazing. I love it. Yeah, yeah. We, we're going to figure out. We're going to figure out all this stuff, and you know, with especially with the stowaways, it's obviously about. Um, it's all about the artistry and whatever. Hopefully, everybody gets a chance to kind of express themselves in the way that they in the way that they want. Right? It's not just. You know, that's the whole point of the thing. The spirit of the thing is a living, breathing musical moment, right? Yeah. And Jason is going to be playing with his actual band. Yes. Which you've already announced. And he's hyper-focused on that. So I also want to make sure that his stowaway situation is sort of easier because I know he's going to be hyperly stressed. But all the stuff I've already discussed with him, I've already put it on. He's one of those guys, he doesn't want to wait. He wants eight months of lead time on everything. He does, he does indeed. So I'm 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 already giving him the songs I want him to learn, so that when when I do my stowaway set, he can just jump up with me, and there's no stress, so he can focus on his thing. I love it. So it, I think it's going to be really really fun. Now I was listening to um, your newest record today, the uh, the tw- um, inter intercorrupt corrupt. Thank you, and. <laughs> As that was playing, I was like, I was starting to think about one of the songs with Jason. With Jason came up, and I know that when I was talking to Jason, well, when we booked him for the Stowaways, I was chatting with him, and he's, you know, he's like, "This is kind of the debut of the band," and he's like, "I'm looking for a singer." I don't have any idea where that even went or what this, what the hook sure. thing is really going to be. But I'm listening to your tunes today. I had a long drive today, a couple of them, and I, and I was jamming your tunes, and I was like, "Why wasn't uh, Sahaj uh, Jason's l- first call for this band?" Like literally your voice with what I'm envisioning, what he's going to do. I'm like, how, how is this not happening? So, so the, the real answer to that 
is a very simple one. And it immediately disqualifies me, which is why I think it's it's easy to describe. Hepatitis. But he wanted the option. He wanted the option to do his former band songs in the context of right. perhaps. He, and he mentioned that to me. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. And and that was essentially that disqualifies me 100% yeah. because I, I have none of that in me. Right. <laughs> so I I can listen to it and I can write it, but that I'm not going to be, be able to pull that stuff off. Right. Gotcha. At a show, you know. Well, very whereas, simple answer. Whereas who have we who we have settled with actually is covering quite a few bases and I have to say I had to go I had to put my neck quite out on the line to convince him to use this person, but I was the vocal producer and I co-wrote a bunch of okay, songs. Okay, great. Okay, good. And so at least I, you're at least you're in the room. I like that. No, no, no. I, I said, look, I know what I can do with this guy. Let me do it. Mm -hmm. And he was anxious. And then once it started coming in and he started listening, he went literally from, I don't know what I'm going to do to, Hey, let's book shit. Right. So <laughs> it, I love it's, it. Uh, it's good. That's amazing, man. Well, um, Chad, you probably have some Uber eats that you got to get to Carl needs a, <laughs> Carl needs a walk. Uh, Sahaj, thank you, dude. Thank you so much for this. I literally, I yeah. could just sit here and just hear you, hear you tell us all this stuff for another hour, but, yeah, the, we, but we can but, do it again some other time. Jesus won't let us. He's, he's we just not on the ship. Like yeah, we, yeah, we do. We did uh making yeah. waves on the ship last year. Maybe we'll have you on board, uh, and do it there as well. So very I'll much be drunk for that. To, yeah. Great. Best. Great. Great. <laughs> we will drop this full episode on monday if uh if you want to hear some uh, interesting insights about fort wayne indiana i recommend you picking that up remember to rate review subscribe and like chad thank you sir for being here thanks oh, thanks to jennifer in the background who makes this thing go and heather and peggy and kathy and of course alan koenig our captain without whom none of this would be possible so hi thank you again for being here with us man we really appreciate my it. pleasure dude. i had a blast anytime yeah. I love it, man. Take care of yourself and uh, good luck with Mason. Uh, and like, so don't get down on him too bad if he doesn't have the Fortnite skills yet. He's he's learning. At least he's know. mediocre. I don't know. I, I feel like it's <laughs> never going to get any better, but it's fine. <laughs> I love it, he's man. Got something to, something to look forward to. That. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sounds great. Appreciate it, buddy. All right. Take care. Thank you. You got it. Hey, this is Mike Wiebe, and I'm the singer in a band called The Riverboat Gamblers. And I'm Zach Blair. I play guitar in a band called Rise Against. Mike and I also have a band called The Draculas, and we also have this great, amazing new podcast called Zach and Mike Make Three. Yeah, each week we're going to ask ourselves and we're going to ask our guests what three favorite things they are into at that moment or in their entire lives. And then we're either going to agree with them or we're going to make fun of them. And uh, you're going to listen to it and you're going to like it or we will make fun of you. How about that? I just flipped it on you, the person listening to this right now. But we're going to do it every week here on the Sound Talent Network. Once again, it's called Zach and Mike Make Three. Yeah. <laughs>